This show is for every woman who has accepted pain and discomfort as inherent to being a woman or has denied any part of themselves to make it or feel accepted. Women of reproductive age have been left out of a lot of research because our bodies and our hormones are considered too complicated. What is worse is this idea trickles down into education, leaving most women with very little information about how their bodies work. Not only are we not taught how our bodies work, but once you start asking questions, it is surprisingly difficult to find answers. I believe that every woman deserves to know how her body works, to recognize when symptoms arise, and to feel confident in her inner voice. Because the pain, the mood swings, and the hormones are not your problem. They are your body's messengers. So I'm here to confront and change narratives around being a woman, being hormonal, and yes, PMSing. I'm your host, Brianna Viegas, and welcome to My Hormone Rants. The information provided in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, and I would encourage you to look into these things on your own and discuss them with your healthcare provider. For a full disclaimer, you can check out the show notes. I also will be linking in the show notes references so that you have something to take that next step, look further, dig deeper, and have resources to help you self-advocate and bring this to your doctor in order to discuss the right next steps for you. Hey there. Today we're going to be talking about how to track your cycle, especially if you're new to this concept that you have four phases of your cycle and it's not just the bleed week. I know your first question is, well, how do I know which phase of my cycle I'm in? So today I'm going to be throwing quite a lot of information about you. We're going to get a little up close and personal with how our bodies work, but I don't want you to get super overwhelmed. Sit with it, listen, take it in, and I've actually created a guide that gives an overview of each phase of your cycle, as well as a cheat sheet on the different ways to track and how to decide which way is best for you and which way is most aligned with your goals. Before we jump into exactly how to do this, I first want to address what it is that we're tracking. Most women are tracking to know when their next period is coming, and methods can vary from expecting it to arrive on the same day of every single month or a certain week of every month, all the way to super techie solutions where there's a thermometer that's connected to the Bluetooth on your phone. And the effectiveness of these varies, but it's primarily due to what your expectation is and what you're trying to track for. So this circles back to this idea of what is a cycle. Most women are tracking their periods, but not their whole cycle and not each phase. And that's what most apps are really designed to do is to take the average of the data that you input about your cycle length to estimate ovulation and the start of your next period. And this is how they get more affected over time because they're taking the average length of your cycles and giving you an output. If you have a very regular cycle, these apps can be very accurate. If your cycle is less regular, that average is going to be really hit or miss for you. These apps are not as good at estimating ovulation. And that's why they all have disclaimers that this should not be used as a form of birth control. It should not be used to estimate your exact day of ovulation. And so on your app, you may see a little flower or a heart that indicates this is the day that you're probably ovulating. And it may give you some range, like a week or so, saying that this is the time where you're probably fertile. That can align, but it can also be very off because there's other things that affect when we ovulate. So even if you have a very consistent cycle, Things like stress, sickness, travel can delay ovulation. So it's important to have other methods to do this. And there are ways 
to track ovulation for fertility purposes and for getting pregnant, as well as using it as birth control. But before we get there, I want to highlight here that it's so important to be tracking ovulation, not just when the bleed is coming, because our periods can tell us so much about the current state of our health, both in terms of the physical and cognitive symptoms that we experience leading up to it, as well as the pain levels and the flow that we experience while on our periods. However, all of the benefits of having a period, of having this monthly cycle, comes with ovulation. And so if you're not ovulating, you can tell this by the length of your cycle. If you have really long cycles, it's very likely that you're having anovulatory cycles, meaning ovulation isn't occurring. So you may be getting that bleed, but you didn't get any of the benefits of having a cycle that month. And this is what happens when you're on the pill as well, where you can have a monthly bleed, but you're not ovulating. Whereas some hormonal IUDs will allow your body to ovulate without the bleed. So one is not necessarily an indication of the other. So what we're really interested in is tracking ovulation. And from there, we can then answer these other questions of what phase am I in? What does this tell me about my fertility? Can I actually use this for non-hormonal birth control? So when you're thinking about tracking ovulation, it's important to understand what your goal is when deciding on the method that you use. If you are trying to get pregnant or using tracking as a way to avoid pregnancy, then you want to be as precise as possible. So in this case, the best method is to track your basal body temperature. Do this by taking your oral temperature first thing in the morning before getting out of bed and trying to do it as consistently as possible to the same time and tracking that over the month to see shifts because what will ultimately happen is the day that you ovulate, you'll see a rise in temperature that will then drop off once ovulation has occurred. It's important to note as well that ovulation is a 24-hour process. The egg is released, it's viable for 24 hours, and then it dies. The idea that we are fertile for five to seven days comes from the fact that sperm can survive for that long. And so that's what you're tracking for. And so that can tell you exactly when ovulation has occurred and you are no longer fertile. You can no longer get pregnant once that temperature drops back down. So that's the most important marker and what you want to see be consistent over a couple cycles if you want to use it as a way to prevent pregnancy. That's your most important data point. If you're trying to get pregnant, knowing that ovulation occurred is a little bit less helpful, right? Because at that point, it's now too late to get pregnant. But there are signs leading up to ovulation that represent that you are fertile. And that comes from tracking your changes in cervical fluid. So what happens across the cycle is on your period, obviously you're bleeding, but this is a time of drier cervical fluid. And then as you shift into the follicular phase, you might start to notice some, but it'll be limited and it will feel stickier. And then as you get closer to ovulation, you can see that shift to being slightly creamy. And then the day before, day of ovulation, you'll see that start to get stretchier. It's typically described as being an egg white type consistency, but this is pretty obvious. This is when you have a lot of discharge. It feels very slippery. And if you were to kind of stretch it between your fingers, it would stretch and not break. And for some people, they don't see as extreme shifts. So for them, a more creamy consistency would be more representative of fertile for them. So it is a practice in understanding your body and understanding those natural shifts for yourself. But those are sort of the indications. So anytime that the cervical fluid is that more elastic, egg whitey consistency, that's an indication that you are in a fertile window. So that can be really helpful 
One, to know that it's coming. This is a time where you, if you're using this as a method for birth control, you especially need to use some kind of barrier method or abstain from sex. Also, this gives you that idea of like, this is the time to make a baby. If you are on a hormonal IUD that allows you to ovulate, you may not be as interested in understanding these changes at this minute level. So you may not want to take your temperature every day because there isn't actually a risk of getting pregnant. In this case, you can still rely on cervical fluid, although there might be changes in that based on your body's reactions to the hormones. So in this case, you can really lean into changes in mood across your cycle, although that can be affected as well by side effects from the hormones that you're on. It can also be affected by external things like stress and stuff like that. So it's not as reliable, but it can be for you. So the more that you're paying attention to these signals and these shifts in your moods across your cycle, this can become a reliable way to tell where you're at. So ultimately, a lot of this is getting really in tune with your body and just becoming familiar with the signals that it's giving you. If you want more information about how to track your cycle for conceiving or as a form of birth control, you can look into the fertility awareness method. This goes into way more detail of exactly how to track what that looks like, and I'll link to that in the show notes. I'll also link to their app. So the woman who created this method or who wrote the book on it has also created an app that's essentially like a pen and paper tracker. So it's still a manual input. You would have a digital thermometer that goes to one decimal in order to be accurate enough. And then you input that every day with your cervical fluid for the day, and it will kind of show you a chart so you can see this across the month. There's also other methods that are more digital. So that's a digital app, but there are others that are paid subscription-based services that you actually get a thermometer from them that is Bluetooth connected to the app on the phone, and so you don't have to input as much data. If you're really serious about knowing to the T, to the day, when things are happening, that's the way to go. So assuming that you know when your period is happening and you know when ovulation is occurring, based on those two factors, you can then determine what phase you are in. So the week that you're bleeding is obviously the menstrual phase, but you may actually start to experience this rise in estrogen before your bleed completely tapers off. And so the menstrual phase can be anywhere from three to seven days. But then as estrogen rises, you'll then shift into the follicular phase, which can last anywhere from 7 to 10 days. And again, once you know when you're ovulating, you can then count the days between the bleed and ovulation. And that's how you can determine, okay, this is how long I was in the follicular phase. And that's the time where estrogen is rising and then it peaks with ovulation. Once ovulation occurs, estrogen starts to dip and you should experience a rise in progesterone. And this rise in progesterone is what kicks off the luteal phase. And again, once you know ovulation in your period, you can count the days in between these to find out how long exactly your luteal phase is, and it should be between 10 to 14 days. If it's very short, this is typically indicative that you would have fertility issues, not necessarily getting pregnant, but um, would be more issues on the side of implantation because it may not be long enough for that process to occur and be viable. If you have really long cycles, it's possible that you aren't ovulating. It's possible to have anovulatory phases where you might still have a bleed. And this is called a withdrawal bleed where estrogen has kind of built up the lining of your uterus enough where it will then shed. But a bleed is not proof that you're ovulating. This is how women can have a very consistent bleed and not know that they're infertile. And this is true with the pill as well. When you're on the pill, you have a monthly 
withdrawal bleed, but it's not a true period because ovulation is not happening because the way that it shuts down your own production of hormones. Whereas on hormonal IODs, there are certain ones that allow you to ovulate, but then not bleed at all. And so a period is not indicative that ovulation is occurring. So that's the way to get specific and understand exactly how long each phase is for you. Because these phase lengths will be pretty consistent across person, especially if you've seen that you have a very consistent length in between periods, then the length of each phase will be very consistent for you. The other way that you can track phases, you can pay attention to the mood shifts that occur. So during the menstrual phase, this is a time where your energy shifts inward. You get more in tune with your inner desires. It's a a great time to be evaluative and to journal and to really just tune in to what really matters to you. And then as you move into the follicular phase with that rise of estrogen, this turns into a shift where your energy goes up both physically and mentally. And that mental energy is really focused towards brainstorming, planning, big ideas. And then around ovulation, this is when we're typically the most open socially. This is the best time to go on dates, um, to hang out with friends, to be interactive. Your energy is really pushing outward at that time. And then with the shift to the luteal phase, that energy it comes down a little bit, and but it's not immediate. That can sometimes be where you still have a decent amount of energy over the first week of luteal phase, and then it starts to dip as you go more into the premenstrual week. But this energy starts to get focused on the details and execution. Your brain's actually wired where you will notice more details than you would have noticed at other times of the month. So it's the time to really dig in, knock things off of your to-do list, wrap things up. And then you circle back to the menstrual phase. And again, this is a time to evaluate, look back on the past month. How did that go? How do you feel about it? And look forward. How do you feel about what's coming and where you're at? So you can really tune in and pay attention to those energy shifts. You'll also notice physical shifts. So in the follicular phase, which is right after your period, this is a time where higher energy, but you also have a lower appetite typically. So you don't need to eat as much, but you can do those HIIT workouts. But then when you go through ovulatory phase into the luteal phase, you'll start to see your energy shift. You may not have as much stamina for the HIIT workouts or the high aerobic, and you're also going to see your appetite shoot up. This is when we often experience cravings. And while cravings in an extreme form can be a symptom, a lot of times what cravings are is a signal that you're hungry. So these are other ways that you can tune into your body and what it's telling you about what it needs and where it's at in these phases. And so these tips are super helpful if you have a consistent period. The shift to go from I'm regular and consistent to tuning into exactly when certain things are happening is a lot easier. If you're someone who doesn't have a regular cycle, so your periods are either unpredictable, you may only get one every few months, or maybe not at all. In these cases, you can set yourself on a four-phase cycle rotating through them to establish this support for your body and to start to tune back into that rhythm. And there's two ways you can do this. One is you can just set a week for each of these phases. I'm going to spend a week trying to tap into follicular energy in the foods that I'm eating, the exercises that I'm doing, and the things I'm going to focus on. And the next week, let it be ovulatory and then luteal and then menstrual phase, whether or not you're actually bleeding. The other way is you can try and do a more detailed version of it and set yourself up on a cycle. So if you want to choose a 28-day cycle and do 7 to 10 days for the follicular phase with 3 or 4 days for ovulatory phase and then 10 days of luteal and then spend 5 to 7 days in the menstrual phase. 
But you can actually set yourself up in this way. And a lot of women actually experience that after doing this, they can see their period return. And part of this is understanding of what is the healthiest version of you? What does that version need? That version is cycling regularly. It's going through these natural shifts. It's asking for these different nutrients and this different level of energy output and reflection. And if you set yourself up in that way, what you're really doing is creating a support plan for the body that you want. And that can start to help heal some of the problems that may have been preventing you from having your period. That's not to say that cycle syncing will solve all of these problems. Depending on what your diagnosis is, there may be other support things that need to happen. But by really tuning into what your body is asking for and needing and setting it up for success, any other supplements or treatments that you're on can really be more effective because you're giving your body what it ultimately needs. And especially if your cycle is irregular, choose the method that's the least stressful and the easiest for you. Because you want to start getting your body in this mode of being cyclical and being consistently cyclical so that you can know where you're at and you can plan for that. But stress is the number one enemy of any healing that needs to be done. And the reason for this is because the building blocks of reproductive hormones are the same building blocks that our body needs to produce cortisol, which is our stress hormone or adrenaline. So if we're in a state of stress and anxiety and a fight or flight response, then our body is going to prioritize that because in the order of importance, keeping you safe is your body's number one priority. If your body doesn't feel safe, doesn't feel like its environment is safe, then it will not divert resources to helping you be fertile because your body knows that that's not the time for you to get pregnant. And this is where some of that advice of, oh, well, if you just relax, then you'll get pregnant. It's coming from this idea that if you lower your stress and let your hormones work as they're supposed to, then getting pregnant will follow. And for some women, that is true. It is an issue of stress. That's not the case always, though, but that's where that idea is grounded in. So there's some truth there, but that's not the end-all, be-all of fertility. So circling back to the idea of tracking, you can get really detailed into this depending on your goals. You can also be more loosey-goosey about it depending on, you know, whether you're using another form of birth control, whether getting pregnant is not a concern for you right now. And what you'll notice, though, is that what may start as like, okay, I have to figure out a system and a plan to do this. When you start to pay attention, you'll realize that your body is giving you all the signals of where you're at in your cycle, what's coming next, where your energy is. And the more that you follow that lead and lean into what you're feeling and not this mental strategy that you're trying to apply to your body, that's when you're going to see results and that's when it's going to become easy and not feel like another diet or exercise plan that you have to follow. It will start to flow out of you. And once you're in that state of flow, it's also so much easier then to look forward. How am I planning my events so that I'm showing up to those events in the energy that I want to show up to? And if there are things that are fixed because, you know, your cousin's getting married on that day and they don't want to change the day because it's not a good time for your cycle, it's not being weird about it, right? It's not saying, oh, well, I can't come. I'm on my period. You obviously can show up and do things that are out of line with your cycle. You've been doing that your whole life. You are fully capable of that. But what it can empower you to do is to know when something's fixed on your calendar that doesn't align and you can think about, okay, how do I want to structure that wedding weekend. Maybe it means I'm not staying with all of the family and I'm getting a separate hotel because I know that I'm going to need to leave the reception a little bit early or I want to sleep in or I'm going to need to take a break. 
and I'm going to set myself up to do that successfully. And it's setting expectations for other people. Like, my husband really likes to dance at weddings. But if it's a wedding on my period, like, I'm going to say, just so you know, like, that's not the wedding experience you're probably going to have today. And that way, everyone's going into the event knowing exactly what to expect. And you're still able to have the best time because really what's so frustrating is when our expectations don't match our reality. But when you know the experience that you're setting yourself up for and the experience you want to have, everything starts to feel easier and to feel fun. When you plan that vacation a couple months in advance, knowing that you're going to be in the first half of your cycle with all the energy, plan all the things, go on all the excursions. But if you know that vacation is going to happen in the second half of your cycle, set those expectations. Maybe that's a spa trip. Maybe you do a couple excursions, but you know that you want to come back and rest in between, or you're going to take a nap, or you're going to bring that book to read. So again, this is about tuning into your body so your body can tell you where it's at and what it needs so that you can just go with the flow. Thank you so much for listening. With all of the things that are competing for your attention, it really means the world to me that you choose to be here. If you want more great episodes like this one, subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you want to learn more about me and how I can help you stop normalizing your symptoms and start optimizing your experience, head to BriannaVegas.com or find me on Instagram at Coaching. You've got this.